Welcome to a Goddess Interrupted podcast, a safe, supportive, and nurturing community where survivor sisters can tell their stories and be heard and have access to helpful resources for your healing. Whether you are far along in your healing journey or just beginning, we are here for you. I'm your host, Christine Sun, certified energy medicine practitioner and holistic nutritionist, and most importantly, I am a survivor. Today, we have a very special guest. We have Laura Di Benedetto here with us, and she's here to share with us her story. She has an amazing story of her own where she has, I, I look at her as an amazing superwoman. She started her own business at the young age of 19, and she's had so much success and is now retired, living the life in Hawaii with her kitty cat and her dog and her husband. And um, I'm really looking forward to hearing her story and how she she persevered and, and how she found her herself and her strength. So welcome, Laura. Thanks. It's awesome to chat with you. Thank you so much for being here. I'm super excited about this conversation. <laughs> Me too. I know. It's like way overdue. <laughs> so so normally when I do this I, I start out with a deep breath in and out to just kind of cleanse us to talk are you okay with doing that with me let's do it awesome okay so we're just going to take a deep breath in and exhale and let us just intend that whatever comes through in this podcast is transformed into healing light for us and whoever is listening. Awesome. Great. So I have, I've gone online. I've, I've, and I, I've talked to you personally and I've found all sorts of information about you as an entrepreneur, but not really about your story. Would you be able to share that with us? Sure. Um, (laughs) Well, let's see. Uh, the story is, I don't know, I guess just like a bumpy one, at least it was from my Mm -hmm. perspective. And, Mm -hmm. um, so starting off as a kid, um, I was kind of the social outcast. I was always the weird kid. You know, I was the only child. I was uh, poor. Um, my dad was and is disabled. So, you know, we were on food stamps and, um, I also grew up with ADHD. That is not a good time. It made it really hard to fit in. And, um, yeah, I was the weird kid. And, um, if you find photos of me, um, anywhere and anyone that's listening, um, you'll see that I am loaded with freckles. And when I was a kid, that was awfully fun for other kids to talk about and pick on. So, um, that kind of did a lot to me. Um, and it really kind of helped to shape, I guess, like my introduction into life. As I grew up, um, I, you know, just had some unhealthy relationships starting with the first one, like first serious one. I was 19. I got into a relationship with a 38 year old man that went well. Um, not really. Um, (laughs) he was so abusive. Oh my God. It was so bad. Um, so basically I just felt like wholly beaten down by like, everything and just yeah by the time I left that relationship I was like kicking and screaming and I was like no I can't take this anymore so um I overcame like a lot and uh, that guy abused me in every way a person can be abused let's just leave it at that and um you know I just I remember I remember being in that relationship with him and I'm like, Oh, I want to do this thing. And I want to do that thing. And he'd be like, you can't, you're too stupid. And, um, my mantra became, you know, bleep you watch me. So I started a business at 19 and I had no idea what I was doing. Like none. All I had was just a whole bunch of gumption. I was just like, I'm going to do this thing. I have no qualifications when I'm going to do this thing anyway. And I'm going to charge a lot. So here I am at like 19, 19 years old. Um, and 20 and 21 and 22, like charging like 150 bucks an hour for my time. And mm-hmm. people paid me. 
people paid me. <laughs> I don't know why. Because, <laughs> like, oh, God, people will definitely buy confidence. Um, I had lots of it, or at least I had lots of what looked like confidence. It was a lot of fake it till you make it. Um, but, yeah, I messed up a ton along the way. And, um, God, I had the wrong business model for 10 years. Um, it was only probably the last nine years that I had the right business model. And it was only the last six years that I was like, oh, I need to work on my exit strategy because now that I built a machine that works, now I need to scale it, grow it and figure out how I can lovingly fire myself so I can ride off into the sunset on my horse and, um, live the life I want. So I worked on firing myself, which felt so amazing when I was successful. Um, but like, here's the thing, what happened when I retired, um, you know, I had lots of money. I had the house I always wanted. I had, you know, car I always wanted and like all the things, but wasn't any happier for it. So that's what inspired me to kind of solve a big problem, which was, well, if I did all the things that society is telling me to do, so I should be happy and I find myself not happy. Why? And, uh, yeah. that really annoyed me. So I started doing a lot of research and, you know, I might have ADHD, but I'm also like a screaming type A. So I was like, I need a system. I'm going to build one. <laughs> um, yeah. So I, um, I ended up just trying to build something so I could fix how I felt and, oh wow. my God, oh my God, that was like the best thing I ever did. Cause like the whole thing just like, it was just like this teeny little snowflake and it like turned into this massive snowball that's just like it's turned into a TED talk it's turned into a book it's turned into um you know this whole like framework and thought process and like changing lives and I'm like what this is not what I intended but okay I am in yeah. yes please so much fun <laughs> that's amazing so that's so interesting how you used what was happening to you as fuel to um, to rise up and out of it, whereas other people would have taken what their past and like let that bring them down into a hole that they can't seem to climb out of. Well, the thought definitely crossed my mind to just lay down and die. Of course it did. But, um, yeah. you know, the thing about uh, kids and teenagers that like parents kind of squash is stubbornness. Anybody that's listening that's a parent, please don't squash this because stubbornness is another word for resiliency. My stubbornness is of epic proportions. So my parents were unsuccessful <laughs> in squashing it. So my stubbornness has led to a lot of bleep you, watch me, but also yeah. like, oh, I failed. I don't care. Do it again. I don't care. Do it again. I don't care. Do it again. Like, nope, get up. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I don't know. Do you know those toys? You remember those toys like from when we were teenager was or kids or whatever and it was like the little clown with sand in the bottom and like you, you bop it down and it'll come bouncing right back oh, up yeah, yeah, yeah. that's me yeah, I'm that those. guy <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you gotta be the sand clown be that guy <laughs> so what made you into the sand clown was it was it kind of a collective of the way that you you your your parents brought you up or that you what you experienced as a result of being a child of your parents or the relationship you went through or your childhood, like what brought you to the, the clown? <laughs> Sandy. Oh, clown. right. Um, honestly, I think it's a combination of probably nature and nurture. I mean, mm -hmm. the thing about, I, I even wrote about this in my book, like, the thing about failure is that if you do it enough, you stop being afraid of it. Like everybody's afraid of failure. But if you, if you experience enough of it, you realize like, Oh, failure is just education. Oh, why do I keep like ascribing like feelings and like value judgments to failure? And like, even the word failure implies that it's bad. What about it? It was just unsuccessful attempt. Like, okay. Like if, if we took a more scientific view about some of the things that we experience, um, you know, and we just routinely experience an unsuccessful attempt, you know, and just seek inspiration from it, you know, it can be better. I mean, honestly, just going through so much in my early life, um, where it just didn't work, you know, mm -hmm. I don't know. I just guess it like it built a lot of stubbornness. I mean, I, I definitely am my father's daughter. God, he's stubborn. Mm -hmm. Um, <laughs> my poor mother, but, um, 
you know, I, I mean, I don't know. I think that stubbornness is definitely good. Like, we shouldn't let people, like, break our will. And, you know, I want to do that. No, you can't do that. Okay. Don't say okay. <laughs> you know? Right. Do the damn thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so your book, I, do you talk about all of this stuff in your book? I talk about, uh, you know, a lot of it. I mean, I go into more detail about certain things. Um, you know, I don't, I don't talk about my parents too much because they're alive and I don't want that to be a whole weird thing they're mentioned. Yeah, but um, of it's like, hey, mom, hey, dad, I wrote a tell-all book about you. It'll go well. I, my mom hasn't read it yet, so I gave her some. I gave her some crap the other day. I was like, "Mom, so um, you know, chapter one, I just let the world know that you are really tough to deal with when you went through menopause." And she's like, "What? You did what?" And I'm like, "I'm totally messing with you right now, mom, because all I ever talked about is how much you love me." So she's like, oh, "You're not very nice." I'm like, "I know." <laughs> You, you gotta. I mean, come on. How often do we get to mess with people like this? I wrote a book, Mom, and you're in it. <gasps> so amazing. <laughs> I love it. So, so, um, did you? So you're you're talking about you know your your drive and how stubborn you were, and and still are, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah. My my husband thinks it's a really good time. <laughs> It's an amazing thing. Um, did you, did you, as you were growing up and as you went through your relationship, different relationships and the different hardships in your life, were there any, any signs or any, anything that you noticed that made you feel like that stubbornness was required or that you felt like, okay, these are the different signs that clearly um, maybe I'm in some sort of cycle or I'm telling myself a story or I'm living the story of someone else that's been placed within me that I need to turn around and correct? No, not even a little. Um, No, I was just, you know, your typical bratty kid that was just irritated that, um, you know, the world was trying to tell me what to do and people wanted me to be a certain way that I didn't want to be, you know. And, you know, the only thing I've ever had in my life um, is just this feeling that I'm destined for something, but I never knew what it was. I just knew that my place in the world is an important one. Um, and I, I've never known what that was about, but like, I don't know, I was just, you know, very egocentric. And by the way, you can totally hate yourself and be egocentric, which I was, you basically like, you think everything's all about you. Um, you know, people (laughs) care about you and they're judging you. No, that means they have to care about you and they don't. Um, You know, I just like, honestly, it didn't occur to me. There's a story here. I was the most like out of touch, like 20 something. I, oh my God, I talked to like the 20 somethings and whatever, like these, there's two young people. They're like probably like 20 and 21 and they're in charge of the Ted talk that I was invited to give. And, um, they are so much more emotionally intelligent and like woke than I was until I was like 35. And I'm like, who are you? You're going to run the world. What is going on here? And why did I not have this kind of incredible, like awakening and knowledge, you know, when I was that age? No, I was just, you know, stubborn, believing the lies about what's important in the world and believing the lies about, you know, how success is externalized and you can buy it and it's found at the bottom of the next container of face cream and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, it's like I was just busy believing the lies and just really getting sucked into consumerism and like being on the damn hamster wheel. You know, Mm -hmm. so many of us do that. And I think it's wonderful that you ask questions of, you know, the world. And I do now, too. Like, Am I believing, you know, lies that I was, you know, that I don't, that I shouldn't be, or is this a story, whatever, like these questions are not on my radar before they are now, but like, (laughs) no, I was so not woke before. (laughs) But I think that you're, that what exactly what you're saying is like, is literally the definition of being woke because you're, it's just innate. It's just all up in you and you're just doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I I, I don't know. Yeah. I've been following my gut for a long time. Um, and I think I'm definitely like more aware, more, uh, woke now. And I'm like really kind of, I'm really getting it. I mean, I wrote a book about it. God, I would hope so. Um, (laughs) 
But like, I've always been on this journey of inquiry, you know what I mean? Because I always want to understand why. I was the annoying kid for a lot of reasons. One was stubbornness. The other one was, mommy, why? So it turns out the why and the continual relentless curiosity has served me really well, too, because I want to know how stuff works. And I want to I want to know, like, why did you make that rule? Why do you not want me to do that? So, like, I've I've just become, like, really curious and stubborn, which is a really fine combination if you want to carve out your own path in life. Um mm-hmm resignation to accepting what other people tell you life is or should be and just doing what other people want you to do, in my opinion, is a sentence of internal death and misery. Yeah, I agree. It's a little dramatic, but it's kind of true. Because like I, I, I encounter people all the time, you know, when I'm busy leaving the house, which I can't do. Um, but I encounter people all the time where they're basically just sitting there pleasantly waiting to die, you know. So, okay, so I'm glad you you opened that door. What are your thoughts on all of what's going on out there? There is so much fear, and I, I so admire your attitude, your your energy, and your strength. And you go out there in the world, and everyone around us is terrified. Like, what do you think about all of that? Do you think that they're right to feel that way? Or do you feel like they should just be, you know, I got to get my... Outlets elsewhere. I got to get my shit together, <laughs> work on myself, reinvent myself, do my thing. Never mind being scared and terrified of this, you know, mystery virus. That I think um, I think it's a really great question, and I think that a lot of people pass value judgments. I'm not doing that. Um, I think there's a lot of people that don't have the capacity to face what's going on because it actually is terrifying. And you know what? If they don't have the capacity to face it, that's okay. And I think as um, neighbors in the community and perhaps, you know, loving and taking care of people that don't have the capacity, it can be really challenging if we Mm -hmm. have the capacity and they don't. But I think Mm -hmm. the way to approach that um, is with a lot of grace, a lot of patience and a lot of reassurance, because, you know, honestly, there's, there's a lot of number one misinformation. There's a lot of conflicting information. There's a lot of feelings of unrest. There's boredom, people, you know, paying attention to conspiracy theories, and there's just so much swirling. And it is a lot, okay? It's a, just a lot, just in terms of volume. Um, and also, then you're faced with, how do I even discern what's true from what's not? Who do I believe? What news source is lying to me? Is the president awesome or is the president a loser? Like, what? which end is up? Is this disease real? Is this manufactured in a lab? Did this come out of Wuhan laboratory on purpose? Is this the bioweapon? Are people actually dying? Are hospitals actually, like, you know, getting credits for saying that heart attack patients are COVID patients and blah, blah, blah? Like, what the heck is going on? So... Just the overwhelm is really real, right? I think there's so many ways to react to this. And, you know, I'm not going to tell you anyone that's right other than, you know, I would say try maybe to step back a little bit. Because one thing that I'm seeing a ton of people doing um, is immersing, like, to a point of ridiculousness into all of the news. Like, you know digesting way too much, which is really hyper toxic for your ability to like cope and like sleep and eat well and, 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 and exist in the world. I mean, you know, I talk about the six habits in my book, which is coincidentally called the six habits, um, and Mm -hmm. overindulgence of toxic news flies in the face of one of them. So that's like really, really bad. And, um, you know, it's good to take, you know, inform yourself, take the information in, you know, make intelligent decisions once you step back from it, you know, and get like a really good objective view and do the best you can. Because at the end of the day, can you personally solve the crisis? Probably not. Can you personally cure the disease? Probably not. Can you exert a lot of control? Probably not. So what is the value in getting upset and triggered? Not a lot. So you have the invitation to do something. And this is where we can powerfully choose our reaction, but we have to distance ourselves from it. I'll be honest with you. I've had a few days, one in particular, I remember where I was curled in a ball crying my eyes out just because I, I, I was processing so much of the enormity of what was going on. And that's okay. 
What else is okay is the fact that I choose to turn off the news and be like, no, I can't deal with that crap today because today I can control my tiny little universe and this is my choice to just focus on these things. Am I eating perfectly? No. Am I gaining a few pounds? Yep, probably. Uh, Do I care? (laughs) Not really because it's not like anybody can see me, so whatever. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? But like I'm choosing to focus on my business. I'm choosing to focus on certain things. I'm also choosing to be a lot more expressive and vulnerable with my husband, which is a nice enhancement to our relationship, which is already good. Um, I don't know. It's just like we we all of us have an invitation to control our own personal universe. And I think um, the feeling of helplessness sucks, but it's something we can do something about. Um, and if you want to talk about the helplessness, let me know, but otherwise that's, that can be a rabbit hole. Believe me. Yeah. So do you feel, so you're married to a a wonderful man now. That's not who you were with before. Mm -hmm. Um, do you think that, do you think that you're kind of like F you moment where you said F you, I'm just going to do what I'm doing. I'm the boss now too bad. And you moved into, um, go, went back out into the world do you feel that, that that energy has attracted everything that's in your life now, everything that's loving, everything that's positive and good? Um, possibly. I mean, I've always been very clear about what I want um, in life, and my relentless pursuit of it has kind of never slowed down. Um, so my first husband and I, not a good fit ultimately. I mean, I married him after eight weeks of knowing him. So is it any shock that it ended? Not really. Um, But the fact that it lasted 10 years, that's kind of a shocker. But most of it was good. Um, But, you know, I've just always, I've always known what I want and what I deserve and what's okay and what's not. I I always have not had the courage to act on it. But the more I've learned about self um love and leaned into my own self-awareness the more it's like oh wow that does not work that's incongruous with what I actually am trying to build here so um you know it's it's funny I've always had this um underlying notion it's weird even during my first marriage I kept dreaming about this one particular person you know that would be very passionate would love me with the intensity of like a thousand sons um he's Italian he cooks he sings he's joyful he's maddening he's all the things that you know a feisty italian man is quite stereotypically and um you know and i was like oh that's a really weird dream because i was married to a frenchman before and um yeah and i was just like oh whatever i just ignored it but then i remember um when i went on my first date with my husband i was like oh that's interesting. And you know what? I did not want to like this man. I did not want to like him. And my soul was like tough titties. That's the guy. (laughs) And I'm just like, damn it. No, I am not interested in a relationship right now. And it's like, Oh, too bad. Here he is. Okay, great. So I was not healed. He was not healed. We both started our relationship from like such an ugly, messy place. Like, no, no, there was shrapnel everywhere. <laughs> Would you say that you both have the same personality type? You mean aggressive and wanting to take over the world? Um, yeah, a little bit. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Like, I would. The things that make us similar can also make us want to murder each other. Um, right. It's hard because, like, my husband is an extremely. Um, he's an extremely, honestly, extreme person. Like if he's all about something, he's like practically obsessed with it. If he doesn't care, he doesn't care. Um, I'm not built like that. So that can cause conflict. But the way we approach um, different things, like when we feel passionately about them, like, I mean, not to be stereotypical, but we're Italians, we're screamers. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. he can yell at me and I'll be like, "Mm -hmm. get ready to bust an eardrum because I'm not afraid of your shit. (laughs) Like, it's like, you know, and it's, it can be really challenging. So we've actually worked very hard to, um, learn to be 
diplomatic arguers where we politely discuss things at a reasonable volume and with the utmost of courtesy, which feels really strange because we just want to throw a book at one another now and then. <laughs> um, and it's like, you know what? I'm going to kill your whole family. I, you know, <laughs> yeah, there, there's a lot of fireworks there. You know, the way I, do you ever hear that, um, that phrase or that saying from when we were kids? Um, my mom used to say this to me all the time. There once was a little girl with a little curl right in the middle of her forehead. And when she was good, she was very, very good. When she was bad, she was horrid. Do you, did you ever hear that? No, but please tell me because I want to know the rest. <laughs> That was it. That was it. But like my mom used to say this to me um, because I was a little curl, little girl with a little curl. And she, you know, tried to wrestle me into submission. God bless her. Um, Didn't work. You know, see exhibit A stubbornness. Um, But the thing about that, which I always liked, was just like, you know, there's. There's the well, well, well-behaved side of Laura Di Benedetto, and then there's the outright demon. Um, and the demon never comes out, except with my husband, because mm-hmm. I apparently bring out the worst in him and the best, and he does the exact mm-hmm. same for me. So I just remember, like, early on in the relationship, I was like, this relationship is going to be the absolute death of me. What is going on here? Because when things were good, oh, my God, it was like the violins were playing, the birds were singing, flowers blooming, the air was sweet. Whoa, you know, it's just very extreme. But then when it wasn't good, I'm, it's like, get a helmet. Oh, my God. <laughs> It's not, it's not like that. We actually, and I am not, not ashamed to say this. I'm quite proud to say it. We went through couples counseling just to make sure that we could actually learn some skills and, and be together the way we both believe we were destined to be. Um, and, but do it in like a constructive and loving way and learn to disagree from like a really healthy place and, you know, not wage world war three. It's amazing. So, so it sounds like, um, you know, you guys mirror each other in some ways and, and those mirrored images shining back at either of you have helped you kind of transform yourselves even more. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I think that a lot of my own shortcomings and things that I needed to work on were suddenly under a massive heat lamp and um, a magnifying glass when he yeah. and I got together um, and started to like really heal some of our past garbage together. Um you know, and the same is true of him, but like, you know, I think the thing that really made a difference was uh, our communication and like incredible self-awareness and a willingness to really be better people. Like letting go of your past garbage is hard for anybody, right? And and the willingness to face the past and like be vulnerable with each other and just trust that, you know what, I've got you, it's going to be okay. That is hard man that is really hard but um I gotta tell you like once I started researching happiness and learning about habit and learning about like the the specific like blueprint for happiness I was like oh I started changing my own life my husband was like hey you look really happy what are you doing what are you doing can I have some of that (laughs) yes you can here sign here try all these things so it it, honestly like I changed my own life because of course I did. That was always the plan. But um, my husband actually changed his life too, which mm. kind of blew me away. Like it was amazing to be able to witness my husband becoming the man he's always wanted to be, but just didn't have all the tools to do it. And just like, I don't know, sometimes it's frightening when our partner evolves and they change and they grow because we don't know what the heck is going on. And it's definitely been an adjustment because he's not the guy I married. He's better. Um, And I'm, you know, I'm surprised at some of the things. I'm like, oh, that's interesting. Oh, that's interesting. Wow. This is who Uh you really are. You know, stripping away all the stuff that, you know, you've kept as armor around you. Some of the things I found attractive. Some of the things that, you know, I thought were you, but they were really just armaments. Oh, Mm -hmm. yeah. You know, it's just just been really fascinating to just see the evolution. It's amazing. So, so with with what you do, you have all these different kinds of people, all these different kinds of personalities. And as you've gone through your life, you've encountered different kinds of personalities that, that mirror or don't mirror and you'll all grow together. Um, how has that helped you in, in your coaching work? 
um, when you encounter these different kinds of personalities, how how do you? I'm trying to think of the right question. How is it that you, I guess, put yourself out there into the world and have these people um, see that and and take it and say, yeah, this is the one I want to help me transform myself and move into my best self. So I would say my first um, primary directive in the world is um, it's as education. I, I am an educator. I am a researcher. Um, I am a writer and I'm building an education company. Um, I do coach with people. It's not often um, on purpose. I want to make sure that I can devote all of my time to actually building out educational tools. So instead of spending an hour helping one person, I can spend an hour and help thousands. Um, So it's really just a question of scalability. Um, I would say, you know, encountering lots of different personality types has really educated me to a lot of honestly how people navigate and move through the world um in lots of different ways and I've also done like extensive sales training and a lot of like personality profile work with um my previous career which was um still is owning a marketing company I just retired from it so um doing that, it's given me massive insight into how people approach different things and also just a startling truth. Okay. The truth is this. I am who I am. I teach a certain way. I might not be your hero, period. And that's totally okay. Like I am, I am unwilling to modify me in any way or my presentation in any way to be someone's ideal teacher. Like if you can't take my wisdom with the occasional F-bomb in it, I'm not going to be for you. Um, You know, like if you can't handle straight truth and you want someone to sugarcoat stuff, I'm not for you. And the thing is, with 7 billion people on the planet, you can find a different teacher. But if you like someone that will give you the uncoded, unvarnished truth and lovingly usher you into how to do something about it, never accepting your crap and your excuses, I'm going to be a really, really great teacher and mentor. Um but I'm 100% aware of and excited about the fact that I'm not for everyone. Mm-hmm. Nice. So have you found, I guess, with all of the stuff that's going on out there in the world right now, have you found that more people are moving towards looking for your help or, or less? Um, it's interesting. What's happening in the world right now is actually forcing a lot of people to have very polarized reactions to... Mm-hmm. Um, personal development, uh, happiness and things like that in general. Um, so I would say like overall what I'm seeing, and you're, you're probably seeing the same thing is you're, you're seeing lots and lots of fear, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. So there's tons of fear out there, but you're also seeing also helplessness. Am I right? Yeah. As well as empowerment. Yeah. So So what you're getting is people are no longer riding the fence, which is kind of good. You're getting people that are feeling like, oh, my God, the world is falling apart. I'm doomed. Oh, God. And they just want to curl up and die. And that's okay. That's their right to do that. Um, And these people, um, they at some point are going to break and uh, take this the right way. I'm really looking forward to when these people break because this is the moment when they're going to hopefully have that sorely needed epiphany. That's like, okay, it's time to act. You're not a victim anymore. Yes, this sucks, but you're not helpless. And here's your invitation to step into your own personal power. Um, and we can do that. There's a lot of people that are like, you know what, I'm going to use this as, um, a, a chance to like lose those 10 pounds and exercise, honey, good for you. You're like 50 miles ahead of me. I'm, I'm busy eating cookies and having all the wine. And I feel so good about that. Like I'm nurturing the hell out of my soul. And I'm sure that my body is getting much bigger. I also don't care. Um, but like the thing that I see going on right now is like massive priority shift, which is great. God, people need it so bad. Like, honestly, like the only reason why we buy things like face cream is because some marketer convinced us that having wrinkles is a bad thing. Think about it. What if we actually spend enough time at home where we don't wear makeup? We're like, oh, yeah, that's what I look like. Huh. I like my face. Right. I don't need that crap. Yeah. So, 
You know what I'm saying? And it's like, it's good. Honestly, girl, I have not worn makeup in a long time. I had to do a podcast interview the other day um, right. where it was video. And I was like, oh, God, I got to put makeup on. Uh, I just like, I didn't want to. I was excited for the conversation, but I was like, I got to do my hair. And it's like 83 degrees in Maui right now. I don't want to put on the hair dryer. Oh, my God. Can I just look like a troll, please? Can I just be <laughs> smart and just nobody see what I look like? You remember those treasure trolls, those those little things with the, like the puffy hair from like when we were kids? That was me, fat tummy and all. <laughs> it's just like I just I just want to be the troll under the bridge spitting out wisdom, you know, in exchange for riddles. That'd be great. Um, so... I don't know. You know what? There's so many different reactions going on right now. And I think the people that are using this as an invitation or the people that will be using this as an invitation to really like take a good, long, hard look at our priorities and just wake up um, and be the awakened rebel. My God, that's like, that's huge. Like there's so many people that are invited right now to get rid of the nine to five and finally start that company. Cause it's like, Oh, look at all the time you got. Now you yeah. can do it. It's like, yeah. Oh, you know what? Oh, you've been wanting to do that course. You wouldn't, you've been wanting to do that thing where you finally like learn about entrepreneurship or marketing and you want to read that book and you, you really want to work on yourself and you really want to like mm-hmm. lean into like who you are and come out of this on the other side, like the person that you've always wanted to be. Cause you finally have got the time to do it. Yeah, there's a lot of that going around, but there's a lot of, there's a lot of not. It's just so much polarity right now. It's like, I don't know. I, I'm excited to see what people are doing. I really am. Yeah. Like the, the amount of time I've actually sat down and watched TV is I, I don't even know. It's not even that much. I've literally been sitting for a month and a half at my kitchen table just like, bam, I got to reinvent myself. I got to get myself out there more in the world. I I want to try this. I want to try that. I got to work on creating this. And I've just literally been pouring all my ideas onto pieces of paper and just work, work, work. I I haven't sat on my butt and done nothing. That's amazing. So I I have to ask, like, what are the things that you're deciding on? Like, what, tell me about what you're doing. So, so I, so as you know, I had my wellness clinic here in Toronto. And mm-hmm. when I saw what was happening, I said, okay, there's no way this is going to be done in two weeks. There's no way. So I'm just going to not anymore because I understand that that place is not me. I, I am the brand. I'm the, I'm the spirit. I'm the driving force behind that place, not the place. So I can still be that bad force and be at home and do my thing. As long as I can still be the healer, I'm good. So can you hear me? That's amazing. Yeah. So I've I've just been at home. I started doing Instagram live group healings for people because I understand that there is a lot of fear out there. There's a lot of people who, who need to feel grounded and need to feel balanced and need that even if it's just for 20 minutes to feel peaceful. And so I'm offering that to people live on Instagram. I was doing it every day, but I've stopped just every other day now. But I did that. I said, okay, um, I need to make a new website about my work, um, what it's all about. Um, and I'm doing my podcast and you're on it now. <laughs> so um, I'm just working on how I can get myself and my light and how I can help other people out into the world rather than it being like a, a brick and mortar location that's somewhere I love that girl you are pivoting hard I applaud you you're amazing ah that's so amazing like there's so many um entrepreneurs that are being called to pivot right now and you're doing it like a boss good for you yay thank you you're welcome so it's it's it's, (laughs) it's inspiring to see and you know like the truth is not everyone has the emotional capacity to take that on right now. But for those that do, my God, it's so exciting to like really be given an invitation to be like, huh, can I really scale this business and do it differently? And do borders really exist? Yeah, we've got the internet. So this is so great. I love it. It's awesome. I, I'm doing my, like, through the Instagram lives, I've met so many different people, and I'm so surprised that all the different people from different countries who are who are logging in and sharing it with other people, and not because, you know, back in, not even that long ago, it was all about, well, how can you help me, and how can I help you, and how can we, 
Um, how can we benefit from each other? And it's not really about the heart, you know. And and I found that through everything that's going on right now, the heart has grown so much in human beings. And these people are spreading the word about my group healing just because of their heart. It's not about, well, how many followers do you have? And how many followers can I get? And like, are you going to pay me? It's not about that at all. It's literally a huge energy shift. Yeah, I just want to help. And I see that you're doing something really good. And I want to help you do that. So here, I'm going to spread the word. You're yeah, there's a lot more purity around. I, you know what? I'm so glad you said that. And I think you're absolutely right. There's so much more purity coming from yeah. people because a lot of the false pretenses have stripped away because, again, with the, the reprioritization of what's going on, people are realizing, oh, that's that's baloney. I don't need that. I never did. So I can just really relate to people from a vulnerable place. And God, that's where you have like the best real connections. You know, it's funny. Like I remember um, when I first got onto Instagram, like almost two years ago, um, I ended up like, I didn't know anybody, but um, I ended up finding some really incredible people. I met my publicist that way. I found you that way. I found um, one of my best friends that way. And it's just the most bonkers experience, you know, when you can like really bring your authentic, vulnerable heart to the situation, you know? Yeah. I still remember when you messaged, like, I think I, 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 I messaged you something and you wrote me back and I was like, <laughs> she oh, my God, a human. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a lot I of insincerity. Such an amazing place. So awesome. Yeah. Well, you know what? I'm so glad that we met. It's been, um, it's been cool just to like, you know, be connected to some really awesome human beings and, um, You know, I feel like there's a lot going on in the world um, that's like really terrifying to a lot of people. It's exhilarating to see um, so many people pivoting hard. You know, I I actually, so I live on Maui in um, Hawaii, USA. And um, I think one of the things that I'm seeing right now is there's like massive, massive um, unemployment here. And Hawaii is actually leading all of the unemployment in the entire United States. Did you know that? No, I didn't. So the reason why is because the economy of Hawaii is almost exclusively dependent on tourism, which guess what? Yeah. It's just come to a screeching halt. Okay. So, yeah. So there's that going on, but uh, one of the things that I'm actually working to do right now is I'm trying to figure out how I can like get into the community, work with the community leaders, local government and stuff like that. And, and really get the government support like the, at the mayoral level or the governmental level and with the governor and whatever, um, to figure out how we can invite people to realize that they're not helpless. They don't, have to be dependent on someone else for a job or dependent for, you know, on tourism. Like they can do what you're doing. You can pivot. You can start a business where it's internet dependent. You can work in your jammies and look like a treasure troll. Like you never (laughs) need to be dependent on this. And it would actually do wonders to like stabilize the economy of Hawaii by actually creating like a totally different um, lifestyle for a lot of the people that live here, which by the way, would do things for a lot of the, um, the people here, the farming community, a lot of people's self-esteem, a lot of, um, community togetherness. And it would also kind of change tourism and make it less, um, I guess like commercial, make it less, um, I don't know, need-based and make it more like, you know, we welcome you to the islands and we're so excited to have you here as our guest versus please come here. We need your money. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. it, it would just, it would just feel different energetically. Um, and I, God, I just, I want to empower my neighbors so much, but I, I have to be honest with you. There's still a lot of fear and paralysis because yeah. as children, you know, we need people to take care of us. And sometimes we are not scrappy little rebels like me um, yet anyway. And we forget that we're actually brought into the world with tons of autonomy, tons of power. And we can pivot just like you're doing. And we can build crazy things and we don't need to depend on other people. Yep. Well, the world is definitely forcing us to move in that direction now because we literally can't go outside. 
<laughs> so what else are you gonna do? What else can you do? Let's sit down. Let's 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 be creative. Let's think of things. You know. So no. Yeah. Yeah. I I would love to see more people just like really tap into like what they want to do in the world because you know what there's so many people out there that they have so much good that they want to offer so much good that they can contribute to the world and it's not just the healers of the world you know it's sometimes educators or like someone else maybe they're really good at building toys cool can you build can you build toys and send them to people can you like um can you build instructional videos and like sell intellectual property of like how to how to do that or you know what if you're like my dad and you've got my mom? So like my dad, he's the tinkerer. He can fix anything. He's like Mr. Fix-It. My dad could have like a massive YouTube following because he can do anything. My mom has the technology. Yeah. You don't want to see my dad yeah. with technology. It's like, dad, just turn the camera on its side. Huh? Turn the camera on its side. I can't see you. Huh? Little to the left, <laughs> all the way to the other side. It's like, dad, you and technology are not a mix, but... My dad can also create anything, invent anything, and everyone has their strength. I just, God, I want to encourage people to use it more and don't be afraid. Mm. You know, um, one of the practitioners who used to work at the clinic, I saw her yesterday that she started a, um, on Instagram, a tutorial for how to hula. Uh, You know, I'm just thinking about. No way. That's so cool. She's literally, you know, let's let's teach you the three basic steps of hula and let's work out together. And and she's so cute and it's so fun. I, I don't think she's charging anything for it or whatever. She's just, you know, having an outlet for people to try something new and and express her love for hula. And I, I just think that's so beautiful. What she's doing. It is beautiful. It, you know what? That's like that's really fantastic. And the way that I want to help so many people start businesses, it's just you know, start it, do it for free at first. So you can figure out which way you want to do it. Try lots of different things on for size and just be like, Ooh, that didn't work. Or, Ooh, okay. This feels really good. And then use this, you know, it's almost like try before you buy, use the trial period where you're doing it for free. Like your friend is, um, as a way to, um, figure out exactly the way you want to approach it, how you want to do it, build a community of people that love you. They're on the journey with you. And while you're experimenting, you're building crazy loyalty with like early adopters. You can build an email list. And by the way, here's the marketing ninja secret of all time. Uh, The money is in your email list. It's always in your email list. It's not in how many Instagram followers you have. It's not in how many products you sell at like the surface level. Um, it's how much you can sell through a loyal community through your email list. That is the hardcore truth of it all. Like, honestly, I don't have nearly the kind of followers that I would like to have through, um, you know, like vanity metrics on like Instagram and Facebook, but I don't care because I have a really wonderful rock solid top quality email list. And, and that's where the money is. And, you know, honestly, that's, that's like pretty easy to build if you're giving value and giving something away in the beginning. Right. Mm -hmm. So your, so your book, the six habits, does it, does it go into how to empower and um, help people feel confident in themselves to even go out there in the world and, and try to put together an email list or, or make their first video for the first time or, or post something or anything at all, materialize something into reality. Sort of. Um, the Six Habits is not a business book. Business is, honestly, I love business. So I retired, um, which, haha, guffaw. Um, like, I'm the hardest working retiree you're ever going to find because the whole sitting still thing, not my jam. So um, I, I talk about the habits because if you take a look at um, any foundational wisdom, um, you know, throughout history, you're going to find that it generally has like a lot of widespread application. So you can, you can actually use the six habits to start a business, lose 50 pounds, get, you know, start a family, um, you know, move across the country. You can literally use these habits, um, to do anything. So if you want to start a business, cool. That's, that's just one of the aspects. I'll, I'll be writing another book. Um, I'm not sure exactly if I want to use the six habits framework for it or not. Um, but I will be writing a business book just cause I have like a massive body of knowledge about it and I can really help a ton of people. But, um, uh, six habits are kindness to yourself, acceptance of yourself, uh, mm-hmm. radical gratitude, 
um, incredible presence, um, goodness, which is adding lots of good to your life and re- removing lots of toxic from your life, and then intention. So when you know when we think about intention, that's that's really probably the one that correlates the most to like what are we building here? Could be the business, yeah. could be losing weight, could be starting a family, right? But intention mm-hmm. is what do you want to create? And intention is the habit that really governs action. Now, most people get scared because they see the giant mountain. Like literally, I am looking out my window as I'm speaking to you right now, and I see Haleakala uh, right in front of me. So, um, mm. yep, the you know, in the back, I can see the ocean, and here I can see the mountain. So if I take a look at this mountain right now, and I'm like, oh, my God, I have to climb that on foot. Oh, my God, I could never do it, right? But if my right. goal is to climb the mountain, and all I have to do today is choose to climb, you know, for like two hours and it's okay that I don't climb the entire mountain today. Oh, I can, I can do two hours of climbing. Sure. No problem. I'm, I'm not that out of shape, you know? So, you know, if if I give myself plenty of time to actually get to the top of the mountain, I can do it. And here's the thing, you know, you've probably heard this before. If you haven't, I'll definitely share it with you. Um, we always overestimate what we can accomplish in a day, but we horrifically underestimate what we can accomplish in 10 years. And that's important for us to realize because literally it doesn't matter what your goal is. Could be, again, like I said, like losing the weight. It could, you could want to climb, you know, like Kilimanjaro or something. You could want to train for a marathon. You start a business. Literally you can do anything you want as long as you have a solid relationship with yourself, which is what the six habits are all about. You're empowered to do literally anything you want, but the habit of intention is awareness of the big goal right? Small incremental progress, particularly when you don't feel like it, uh, you know, like itty bitty, like tiny little incremental bits towards it at a time. I mean, my book is a great example. Literally last night in my house, 11 PM, I was shrieking, shrieking because after (laughs) uh, 20 months of working on my book from the time that I first sat down with my crappy little index cards to the time last night, 11 PM, 20 months. And I finally got to hit submit as I submit the approval on Amazon for my book that Mm -hmm. wow so it took me 20 months now if I had if I had looked at oh my god this is going to take me 20 months at the beginning of the journey eh, maybe I wouldn't have done it I just I was like well today I just need to write the index cards okay Mm -hmm. now that I have the index cards done what's the next Mm -hmm. step well Mm -hmm. Now I need to put my index cards into Microsoft Word and then I need to embellish on a little bit of, you know, the details. And then and then tomorrow I'm going to just embellish the details of this particular thing like as much as I can. And then tomorrow Mm -hmm. I'll do what I got to do. And then, you know, every day it was like, all right, today I can do this to move it forward. Always knowing the goal was what I experienced at 11 p.m. last night. my face hurt from smiling so much. Um, it was and like my husband would like my husband and I were like, yeah, woo-hoo, cause it was like so huge. And like seeing it on Amazon with like, yeah. with like the cover and like everything. I was like, Oh, finally it's real. It was like so thrilling. Right. And like, I would not have had that thrill if I yeah. had just been like, Oh my God, look at the entirety of the mountain. That is so much. Yeah, it is so much. It is. And you know what? I only had to do it one little step at a time. And I let the finish line be where the finish line was just going to be. And that was why I was able to complete it. And you know what? Like, it's so hard to take on a big project knowing like, oh, my God, I have to do this. It's overwhelming, which is why most people don't start. Right. Right. I mean, honestly, at 19 years old, I started vision advertising and I had any idea that I was going to try to um, retire at 37. No, I had no idea. I just needed I just needed a job where I didn't hate the boss. So I became the boss and I was like, oh, she's cool. She's nice. She lets me take uh, some time off and drink at her desk. Nice. So, <laughs> but like, you know, sometimes it's good to have like a vague and fuzzy idea of where you're going and just be like, eh, you know, I'm just going to go in that general direction or this one yeah. with the, you know, with a book, it's a lot more specific. I'd like to publish mm-hmm. a book. Okay. That's highly mm-hmm. specific, but like, damn it. Sometimes we just need to start, you know? 
So what's your advice for those people who, who maybe they have an idea to write a book, for example? And they, what would your advice be for those people who feel like, okay, but who would want to read my book? Who would want to listen to anything I have to say, even though you feel in your heart you have something important to get out to the world, but you just don't have the confidence? Like, what's your advice on that? That's a great question. Well, there's a couple parts of this. Um, I think people stop themselves because they're so afraid of being judged. Um, but if you take, I'm going to try to answer this as thoroughly as I can and briefly. Um, yeah. But like the thing about um, worrying about judgment from others is actually really egocentric. And we need to let go of that because it implies that people care about us so much more than they actually do. People mm -hmm. do not care. They just do not care. No one is mocking you because they have to care about you to do that. And like the strangers of the world, you're not even on their radar. So like put your fragile little ego aside and just recognize nobody cares. So if you fail, nobody cares, right? But I love that. When it <laughs> it's awful, but it's true. So if you like I mean, I failed a ton and like, it's not like I had like a big, you know, audience section going, yeah, she failed. Woohoo. No. <laughs> and when I succeeded, it wasn't like that either. Nobody, like people barely looked up from their morning paper, like mm -hmm, whatever. Cause they're so consumed with their own egocentric life. Right. And this is a truth that we really need to tap into. So if you can like actually own your irrelevance and be like, oh my God, how freaking liberating. Um, you just like, you get the power to realize that nobody cares. Now that's part one. Part two, yeah. how do we get people to care? Well, here's the thing. If people can sell manuals on uh, potato gun manufacturing and they can sell <laughs> pet rocks and they can sell um, books about how to pick your nose effectively, baby, you can sell your book. I don't care what it's about because there is a market for everything. Baby, there's seven billion with a B people on this planet. People yeah, are yeah. weird. So you can write about toenail <laughs> fungus if you want to and write the world's leading authority compendium on toenail fungus and there will be a market for it. I guarantee you. As a matter of fact, if you really want to niche down like that, you're going to sell yeah. it a lot easier. Like the, the difficulty in like marketing is when you want to go hyper general. But people ask yeah. like, well, who am I to do such a thing? You're a human with experience and you have passion. Don't worry yeah. about the qualifications because here's the thing. You want to be a writer? You know how you become a writer? By writing, not by saying I'm yeah. a writer first. You know, like at the yeah, beginning yeah. of this, Laura Benedetto was appended with comma CEO, right? And mm -hmm. when I began writing my book, it wasn't appended with writer, okay? It wasn't appended with author. It wasn't appended with researcher. None of those right. things. I did the damn thing. So now I am Laura DiBenedetto, comma, CEO, TEDx speaker, author, researcher, writer, educator. Mm -hmm. I am these mm -hmm. things because I've done them. And I have the credibility because I did it. I did the research. I did the writing. And did I do it perfectly? No. But that's why we have editors. And that's why we have people to, like, take our book and read it and be like, wow, this part sucks. You need to work on this. And we need to, like, toughen ourselves to critique and whatever. But, like... You know, the, the habits that I talked about, like acceptance, is the one that really comes into play here. People have massive feelings of unworthiness because we don't unconditionally love ourselves. Unconditional mm -hmm. love will give you the strength to realize my voice matters. And if it only matters to me and I only sell one book, it's still a worthy undertaking. Okay? Mm -hmm. And that's huge that we need to give ourselves permission to not exist for other people's approval. It doesn't uh, matter if other people want your damn book. It matters yeah. because it had to come out of you. And that's the real oh. noble goal, right? Yes, 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 yes. I see no, you're praising. I'm Thank right here you. with you. <laughs> but here's the thing. Lots of people will want your book if you actually do the work to craft your idea well and allow the journey to take a while. Like, yeah. okay, so um, there, there are so many authors. We've spent like, you know, a year two years, four years, eight years writing their book, and that's okay. You know, some of the best books ever written took 10 years to write. It's okay, but you're never going to scale the mountain if you don't take the first step. So start yeah. the book and focus on quality. Make sure your ideas are good. And here's the thing, never underestimate the value of walking away. Mm. You know, walk away from the project, 
for several months if you need to. Like my book eight took um, like 18 months to um, write it in its entirety and finally get it to the point where I was only down to like correcting grammar errors. Um, And getting it to that point, 18 months, okay? These 18 months actually included several months of me not even looking at it. This was not 18 months of like actually working on it. Who the hell would do that? Nobody. Okay. I worked on it. I wrote my entire book in a month, entire book. It sucked. Okay. It was, it was what we call a shitty first draft. Everyone has shitty first draft. You have to get out your shitty first draft. You have to, because if you don't write your shitty first draft, you can't use it to take two months off from it. Look back on it and be like, that sucks, but I can really make it better by making these amendments, these amendments, these amendments. I'm going to scrap this whole section. Actually, this one's really good. And you can't see it unless you take time away and have the shitty first draft to begin with. Mm-hmm. Right? So if you yes. work on it, then walk away, return to mm-hmm. it, walk away, return to it, mm-hmm. walk away. That's what took 18 months was honestly, I can tell you, I probably spent a year of the 18 months not working on it. But I needed that time and distance to be able to regain my perspective and not be too close to it. Yeah. I love Same thing that. climbing the mountain. You just got to start. And sometimes you need to take breaks. That's yep. it. Like, I can't, I can't. Listen, full disclosure, my husband, he did see to summit in 18 hours because he's a freaking beast. And I don't even know who the hell he is. Um, <laughs> okay, see to summit. I don't even understand how he did it. I'm like, who are you? He slept on the mountain. He experienced the stars like nobody else. Like, oh, he's wow. he's insane, right? I do my beast mode stuff from my desk. Um and I am not scaling the mountain in 18 hours. No, I'm, I'm scaling the mountain in 18 months. And, then, and that's okay. Both journeys are okay. You know, we just need to give ourselves yeah. permission to just start, suck, mm-hmm. and continue despite the sucking. <laughs> Be committed to having good quality outcome and, you know, ask for feedback. Hire people like editors. If you can't afford an editor, it looks like you need to save up so you can afford an editor. Um, uh-huh. You know, and like... You know, just, I guess, like, just persevere. Be stubborn. Be the sand clown, I guess. <laughs> Be the sand clown. I love it. <laughs> it's It's been such an absolute pleasure talking to you, and you've dropped so many gems on us today. Do you have any, any closing message for the survivors out there that are listening to this, any that are, are looking to climb out of that hole or looking for a light at the end of the tunnel? Do you have any closing message for them? Sure. Um, There's surviving and then there's thriving. And you can certainly choose which experience you want. Um, It's a lot like those choose your own adventure books from the 80s that I remember well. Um, You you can choose to survive and just get through or you can choose to come out swinging. Um, And it's hard to do. It really is. And, And like choosing it is it's the harder path. It really is. It it doesn't seem like it, but it is because you have to do massive self-work on yourself, but it is worth it. I've overcome abuse. I've overcome bankruptcy. I've overcome friggin' ADHD. And I wrote a book like, you know, I like incredible bullying when I was a kid, like, yeah, I'm a survivor, but baby, I'm a fighter. Like you cannot Mm. kick me down. You just can't. And I want to, I want to share that message of empowerment with anybody that is ready to receive it, like get back up, be the thriver, be like, you know, just look at whatever the hell you've gone through, choose to find the gratitude in it. Like I'll give you a great example. I was abused physically, sexually, psychologically, um, financially. I was abused in all different ways. And yet I look on all of that with incredible gratitude which most people have a hard time doing. Why am I grateful for being treated like absolute shit? I'll tell you why. It's because of what it revealed in me. It revealed I'm a beast. It revealed that I am a boss and you cannot kick me down. It revealed that I am the most stubborn person you've ever met in the world. It revealed I'm a badass. I can do anything. I am not somebody's victim. It revealed that no man Uh, Mm -hmm. can control me. It revealed that I am the master of my own destiny and I don't need to rely on anyone. And all of that shit that I went through, it Mm -hmm. sucked. 
I'm not grateful that it sucked. I'm grateful for what it revealed and the lessons that I got. And that's the radical gratitude that I'm talking about um, Mm -hmm. that I really want people to adopt. If you can shift your perspective and your worldview, you can Mm -hmm. literally do anything. You just have to choose it. Wow. Bravo, bravo. (laughs) I I don't have any sound effects. It's amazing. <laughs> um, Thank so, you. So tell everyone where they can find you if, if people are more interested in in following you or buying your book or where can people find you. The best place to look to find me is the sixhabits.com. Um, mm-hmm. I have lauradibenedetto.com, but only Italians seem to be able to spell Di Benedetto. So, you know, if you're brave, <laughs> give it a shot. Um, otherwise, it's the sixhabits.com. The word six is yeah. spelled out, the sixhabits.com. You learn about the book, learn more about the habits. I have tons and tons of uh, free content and videos on my social media. You can email me, you can buy the book, you can, um, you know, just jump in and like check out all kinds of free stuff. I mean, you know, Christine, you know this, I've been giving away like loads and loads of free content and video classes like a long time now. So once you exhaust yourself of, you know, the free stuff, there's still more. (laughs) I love it. I love it. Thank you so much for being here and talking with us. Um, I feel empowered and strengthened and positive and excited and super energized right now. <laughs> awesome. Well, um, that's the goal. I'm so glad. Yeah, and thank you so much for having me here to chat with you. It's been fun. And I appreciate the invitation to just kind of have this conversation go in all kinds of different empowering directions. Yeah. Thank you so much, Laura. Thank you. Okay. So have a wonderful day. Enjoy looking at the dolphins because I know that you get to do that. And I wish I could too. <laughs> Thanks for You're welcome. Have a great day. Bye.